Hello, I'm Howard and welcome to the 9320 podcast and we have squeezed in an extra episode of Cult Heroes, number four, I think, perhaps. Looking back at two more ex-City players we think deserve to be included in our own Cult Heroes Hall of Fame. To do so, delighted to be joined once more by the one and only Joe. Uh, good afternoon, Joe. How are you? Afternoon, Howard. I'm good. Always delighted to do these. I think anyone who's listened to me on previous pods knows I'm a sucker for... Uh... The sentimental strolls down memory lane on the nine three twenty player. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to this thoroughly. And the tears already streaming down your face. So, uh, well, parts of these players' journeys may get a bit emotional. <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I've just had forty five minutes on the phone with Sainsbury's credit card company. That. Has probably taken a couple of years, whittled a couple of years off my life. So this this will hopefully be a nice palate cleanser. All I wanted to do was pay a bill, and I couldn't even do that. Honestly, I. Oh, no. no one needs that on the eve of an Easter bank holiday, do they? No, I don't need it on any day to be honest, because yeah, yeah, I have no patience anymore. So let's let's be nostalgic instead. Right, we've got two choices always. I'm trying to split them, thirty minutes each ish. Down the middle, uh, yeah, and two players. Obviously, we have a lot of fondness for two players around the same time. Well, they certainly were at the club at the same time for some of the years. Uh, opposite sides of the pitch, opposite styles, very opposite types of players, uh, but both obviously with some fond memories and some lows as well, of course, like most footballers. So, first up is your choice and. Thanks for making me feel old. I did on WhatsApp suggest Uwe Rosler to you. And what was your reply? Oh, it's before my time. So so I just feel like thank, if, if I... No, thanks for making me... just remind me of how old I am, yeah. You're a spring chicken. Don't worry about that. Um, I'm just thinking if I'm going to like give you an honest appraisal of, of cult heroes in my time, obviously... Yeah. Thoroughly understand the impact of Uwe Rosler, and he's one of my dad's favourites. And he may have still been on the books when I first started going, but I don't think it would have been fair to to start breaking down his city don't, career. Don't worry, get one of the old fogies to do it with me next time. So yeah, get the last generation on, lad. Come on, right? It's a so forward thinking pod. Yeah, your choice is the one and only Danny Tieto, or according to the internet, Daniel Amadeo Tieto. There you go. Uh, this is your choice then. So I guess the obvious starting place is why this pick? For me, I think, and we're going to come on to this with the next pick as well, because I think this one definitely falls under the category of what I would consider a cult hero as a City supporter. Yeah, and the second I one, th- more debatable, yeah. Yeah, and... I feel like his personality and his fieriness and, and his... his um, He came to the club at a time, obviously, when, when we were... Prob- well, we were at our lowest <laughs> um, And I feel like him and, and with the Mandy Morrison previously, I think players like that played a greater role than we probably realised at the time in terms of bringing a mentality and an attitude that could really win the fans over because... For as much as people long, bizarrely, I don't know what you feel about this, but there is like a longing among certain elements of City fans for being, let's not be around the bus, shit again, and <laughs> traipsing down these, these Please divisions. let the Premier League charge us. Yeah. But it, 
if you actually think back to it, it was horrible. It was such a toxic environment. I mean, you know, I'm thinking like the mid mm. to late nineties when when we were hemorrhaging managers and people running on the pitch and throwing the season ticket. Like, yeah, we we I think we look back at it with with blue tinted specs now, to a large degree. And um, there was a real. I mean, when when you're at a point where the first team staff can't train on the pitch before a game in fear for their abuse and have to get a coach to the training ground. Uh, not even a coach, a minibus. I think that tells you, you know, they talk about Everton being toxic now. I don't even think they've reached that level yet. So I think. Not even close. Yeah, exactly. So, so to bring it back onto point, I think Seattle was kind of a bridge to, to. If you look at it, I think from the team that were relegated initially from the Prem in 96 and then again in 98, that clearly had. You know, a toxic relationship with the fans were almost intimidated of playing at Main Road. I think a lot of the players who were in those teams have said that publicly now since. Uh, to the team that then had back-to-back promotions and how connected they were to the fan base, it was like a total turnaround. And I feel players like Teato and Morrison, who came in under the radar, played a big part in turning that around. So, yeah, I think that's why I would definitely consider him court hero, obviously. I wouldn't put him in a legend's status or anything like that. I know this is subjective, but I don't think many Blues would. But I think we would all consider him to be somewhat of a hero. And he was definitely a cult figure, as we'll, as we'll come on to for various reasons. Yeah, uh, a player that could do it on a wet Tuesday evening in Stoke, because that's where he was on loan when City signed him. So, yeah, yeah, we hadn't, we wouldn't, obviously as fans, we wouldn't know much about him. He played in Australia, being Australian. Uh, and briefly, fairly briefly, in Italy. And he had come up against City, I think, in that season when both, of course, Stoke and City went down on that final day to the third tier of uh, English football. And Joe Wall got in touch, said he wanted him to sign him. He was probably a bit reticent because, of course, it was third tier of English football, but you know, he learned about City and the size of the club. Uh, and he signed for what's thought to be £300,000. Now, for younger listeners who may know absolutely nothing about Danny Tieto, how would you describe him as a player? I think the key here, the one word that will crop up on during this podcast and crops up on Wikipedia as well is the word indiscipline. <laughs> but if you look at videos, there's a, I watched an interview of him this morning on YouTube, and I think that does him a disservice to actually just focus on his combat, you know, combative nature and his aggressive style of playing when he was a decent footballer apart away from that as well. So how would you describe him? I would describe him as, as tenacious is probably a more polite way for, for the indiscipline, but I do feel like... Tenacious day. Yeah, definitely. I think... In those times when we, we were scrapping and in those lower divisions, you have to have these players in your team. I think you, I don't know if it's an Australian thing, but I think Kevin Muscat was another one. Oh, the, teams, the teams who tended to do well had one of these lunatics in the team. I'd put um, Muscat on a much higher level. Yes, yes, yeah, he, he was, was like, like dirt. Yeah, for my yeah. fading memory and muscle memory, yeah. He was one that had his own... He was almost like a team in himself in a division that, that players were scared of playing against. But um, but you know what I'm saying. Every every team that was going to be successful had to have someone who could really stick the chest out and, and, and defend his more 
certainly at a club like City, who are always going to have players like Berkovic and Bernabia on the books, you need that that player in there who can protect him to a degree, or a bishop. Um, so, for example, he, he was tenacious, but I do agree. I do think it does him a disservice. A, a word that I would describe him as was versatile. I seem mm. to recall him doing jobs for both Joe Royal and Kevin Keegan all over the show. Um, and always seemingly at short notice. I think, you know, if we got an injury or, or a player was suspended, to be fair, that was usually Tiato himself, but um, he could come in and do a role. He could play in multiple positions, multiple systems. Um, and I do think he was technically quite... I think he developed over the course of his City career. I think mm. we'll come on to like the specifics of that and, and his individual seasons at the club. But whilst he was probably a utility man, Initially, he was primarily in there for that tenacity. I think certainly in one of his last seasons, he was probably the one of the more key players uh, in the squad. He was actually a threat going the other way too. So he was someone who was committed not just on the pitch, but to, to improving his game. And that showed in his performances, I think. He got the most out of, of his City career. Is it fair to say that that style... He couldn't survive in modern day football. No, he'd be looking at like six, seven match suspensions with some of the, <laughs> the things he did <laughs> in his career. Um, I mean, again, got, we will touch just, on them, but yeah, he got four red cards during his time at City. In the modern game, it would be quite a bit more, would it not? So. Yeah, because there was a few where he was on the edge, wasn't there? There was a few where. Specifically, when we're in the lower divisions, I'm a big believer in that the bigger clubs tend to, whether it's a subconscious decision on the rest part, get away with more. Uh, and there were games where he probably picked up four or five yellow cards <laughs> worth in 90 minutes, but remained on the pitch. Um, let's just say he played on the edge. Yeah. And I don't think he would be so, so um, he wouldn't have as many, what's the word, completed games under his belt in yeah. today's game. It's interesting that he's yeah, known to be one of the most absolutely laid back and calm human beings off the pitch. This is just how he approaches football itself. Not one of your uh, Jerry Bartons who just takes his personality onto the pitch. He was very much a Jekyll and Hyde person. That was very combative and, you know, wouldn't say boot to mm. a, a goose really off the pitch and is absolutely fine. So, and he does mention, you know, saying an interview I watched that he felt his aggression was an advantage against opposition players. So if there was a 50-50, he could see sometimes the apprehension of fear in their faces sometimes. And he just mentioned coming up against David Beckham as well in derbies. I don't know if he was thinking of him when he, he made that comment. So that aggression think... obviously could be a absolute you know, bad news for City. It could cost them, but it also had a huge plus in when he went on the pitch, you knew he was going to give everything, don't you, and fight fight for the cause as well, which is a key reason for the players do become cult heroes, is that, you know, they play for that badge, don't they? Yeah, 100%. And I feel like, just touching on it again, when we went down in 96, I think we went down quite arrogantly when we, we kept King Clancy and Rossler, like we were just going to bounce straight back into the Premier League. And obviously we know it went the total opposite way. And I think in large, that was down to the fact that we were a massive soft touch in that we had a lot of technically gifted players that weren't suited for that level. Mm. Um, and Tiato was very much the, what I would call, one of Joe Royal's dogs of war, in that they probably 
You could probably make the argument, and I don't know what you think about this, the team that went down in 96 and started the following season probably had more talent in it than the team that was actually promoted at Blackburn a few years later in terms of Rosler, King Cladsley, Nicky Summerby, etc. But they, they just were soft-centred. And I think that specifically in the 90s, you couldn't get away with that um, well, I mean, in the Championship. We which Andy Morrison, of course, on the last podcast, Cult Heroes podcast, and... It shows leadership, aggression, and yeah, a commitment to the cause. Just put one of those players in the team, and it can reinvigorate the entire team. Yeah, so, agreed. I think it's you know similar with Delitieto. Uh, do you have early impressions? I mean, I've watched it. Watched a video of him in Australia. He, he looked like Emmanuel Petit. He's got long hair and a ponytail. And <laughs> I don't remember that as no, my first impression. Which was long that's... gone by the time he got to City, where it already. I would say balding, perhaps, <laughs> at an early age. Uh, but he wasn't immediate. So third tier of English football, he wasn't a big feature of the City side in that promotion season. It was then no. the second season where he absolutely gets into the side. You know, you see his appearance numbers go up. And in his third season, we get relegated, of course, after double promotion. But he is City's player of the season. So what do you remember of... Of that period, do you, do you remember that it took a, a while to to realize how good he was, or does it feel in your memory that he came in and was our left back for quite a few years with no gaps in between? Because there's not just in discipline that's an issue. Uh, that we'll come to that in a bit at the end of his city career, but you know he he was prone to the odd injury here and there as well that did limit his time. But he did have that middle part of his city career is where he really was at his peak for us, was it not? Yeah, I mean, like I say, I, I just seem to recall him growing in stature every season yeah. he was at the club in terms of his importance. I think I don't think it would be honest to say a lot of City fans wouldn't have even known he was on the books in that 98-99 uh, promotion season because I don't remember him playing at all that year. Uh, but like you say, the following year, the, the promotion and then the relegation under Royal, where he was a key fixture in the team, to my mind. Um, and I feel like by the time we went up at Blackburn, he was one of the first names on the team sheet, which is a big turnaround from from where he was, you know, the prior year um, with us going up at Wembley. Um, and I just feel like he, what what probably makes him a cool hero is he, he probably was at the club initially um, with the club's view on him as being nothing more than a useful squad player. But he was that, you know, determined to make a career for himself at City that he almost forced his way into the manager's plans. Um, and was it was a case of once he, he got that, that position in the team, he wasn't letting it go and he was going to give 100% no matter whether we were successful or struggling. And specifically when a team's struggling, I think that's when cult heroes really can be born. And I think we'll obviously look at some some of the moments from that season we were relegated in 2001 but he was you know while whilst the rest of the team was struggling with the step up to the premier league i feel like he was one of the few who actually acclimatized quite well considering when we were in the third team he couldn't get third tier even he couldn't get a game so i think the city fans appreciated that and i also feel that he was ultimately a player that 
you looked forward to watching because you never knew what you were going to get with him. Do you know what I mean? So it was it was a good turnaround in a short period because we've almost condensed these moments into Wembley 99, Blackburn 2000. But the reality is these have all happened within less than three years of each other. Mm. Uh, and he's kind of one of the few constants in that period. Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.